Each of us have thoughts that come into our minds. Where do those thoughts come from? Have you ever thought about that? Where do those thoughts come from? Well, they can come from your own flesh, from thinking about things of this world, or from hearing newscasts, or things like that. The thoughts can come from God. But also the thoughts can come from devils. So it is our job to recognize the thoughts that come from God so we can go that direction and follow those thoughts. We have to learn to trust God, to relax, to know that he can help us, that he knows how to reach us. The other day, I had such a hard day. I had five people at one time that I was dealing with on church problems, Bible problems. I didn't feel well physically that day. I had all of this at once. By the time I got through to the end of the day, I called on God in prayer and I said, Please help me to have joy again before the sun goes down on this day. I didn't see how it would be possible. I was tired. I was worn out. The problems were difficult that I had been dealing with. About an hour after I prayed that, a woman told me, that she had decided to get a new kitten. And she told me about the situation. And I began laughing. And all of a sudden, I realized joy was back in my life. God knows exactly how to reach us. We don't see how it's even possible for us to be helped some days. But God does know how to do it. So a thought comes to my mind. How do I know whether that's God or not? How do I recognize those thoughts that are from God? Well, first, if the idea is complex and difficult to do and overly expensive, I know immediately that I do not have the plan that is from God. The plan that came to my mind might be from my own fleshly desire. It might be from devils, but it is not from God. If it is complex, difficult to do, and expensive, overly expensive. Another way that I know the thought is not from God is if it's a driving type spirit. Like, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this now, you've got to do this. I find over and over that spirit not to be from God. If there is a fear involved in the thought, usually it's not from God. Now, God could warn us with a fear, but usually a fear is not from God. And if I move on a thought filled with fear, I'm usually going the wrong direction. James 3.17 
but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. Now, if a fear is involved, you're not going to be peaceable. Peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Here's something else to consider. Is there any envy or strife going on at the time you've had that thought? For if there is envy and strife, there will be confusion and every evil work. In such a time as that, I like to pray Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You must first allow God to take care of that envy or strife that you have gotten into. For there will be confusion and every evil work. You must first become stabilized by allowing God to work with you to get you stabilized. And you must trust that God is able to do that. Paul once said, we're not unaware of the wiles of Satan. We know how he works. I'm going to talk to you about a few of those ways that the devil comes to work in our life to harm us. The devil can attack us to make us think we've done wrong when we didn't do wrong. I frequently have that type of attack because I deliver information to people that God has given me and frequently the devil will try to tell me, you shouldn't have said that. You did the wrong thing. That's an attack. And the whole purpose of the devil is to try to get me to stop delivering the messages of God to the individual. Recently, a woman sent me an email telling me many problems she was having even back to her childhood. She felt like she needed messages on forgiveness. But God said to me, what she needs is to do Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. She needed to take each of those troubling thoughts one by one and turn to God with that thought and pray over it and wait on God to bring her the healing for that thought. He can bring it to you through dreams. I've had that happen. One time one of our own church members attacked me viciously railing out against me, Pam Paget, a member of the Body of Christ, witnessed it on the extension phone. I had told Barbara, I said, now, wait, just let me get Pam on the other line so she can join us in this. For a moment, Barbara settled down, and then she started railing at me again and accusing me, even knowing Pam was on the phone. 
After that, I was devastated. I was totally paralyzed. I told God, I said, I can't do ministry work. If these accusations against me are correct, there is no way I can continue to do the work that I do in the ministry. I have got to have you judge me. Judging me, not her, me. I've got to have your viewpoint of this situation. I didn't know how God could get his view to me. But I trusted him to do that. And he knew the urgency that I had on this subject. I couldn't go forward exhorting you if these accusations this woman had made against me were true. I made myself put it aside and go no farther trying to think of it. Because you'll just confuse yourself if you do that. I'm sure I watched some television and then... I went to bed and went to sleep, and God gave me a dream that night, that same night. And in that dream, I opened my front door, and bags of garbage had been stacked in front of the door of my house. And all the way down the front side of my house, there were bags of garbage, and it would all have to be cleaned up. I was annoyed because somebody would have to clean that mess up. I would have to get someone to help me clean it up. Then I realized God was showing me this woman's accusations were stored up garbage from decades of resentment and offense that she had taken against me. She did not take those things to God in prayer to have him settle her, I believe he would have. Instead, she let them store up. Some went back as far as 10 years or more. They were to the point I couldn't even remember having said some of the things she said I said. It was really, really gruesome. But God showed me it was her own garbage that she hadn't brought to him. And she dumped it at my house. God knows how to reach us. After that, I was able immediately to go right on back to the ministry work that I do in exhorting the church on emails, I mean on uh, blog and podcast and books. We do books with Amazon. God knows how to settle us and establish us when we have been attacked by devils through another person or when we have been attacked by devils just attacking our mind. This woman that I told to do Philippians 4, 6, I didn't hear anything from her at all for about three weeks. And then she sent me an email telling me that when I recorded the situation of what had happened with the Philippians 4-6, she was hurt and bothered and troubled. But she was working through it. Then that dumped on me. And at first I resented her telling me that, and and God healed me and straightened me up because I turned to God with it. I couldn't go forward again because I was then attacked 
So I said to God, I don't know what to do. I cannot work. I can't do the work until you have healed me. And if I've been wrong, creating me a new heart and a new right spirit. And I prayed that. And it wasn't very many hours before God had restored me. And what he told me to do is go back and see what I wrote to her. And when I went back to see how I answered her in her request for me to teach about forgiveness, and she told me all this mountain of problems, the thing I'd said to her is this. Do Philippians 4, 6. Take each one of these previous problems and current problems to God in prayer and let him establish you in each problem. And the second email that I had written to her, I told her, did you actually do Philippians 4, 6? Because now you are telling me you are troubled by my recording this for other people but I'm recording it for other people so they can learn from the situation and you should rejoice that the other people are having the opportunity to learn rather than feeling hurt and sorrowful that I gave the illustration of the problem and I told her This is nothing but pride rising up in you. When I read what I had told her, I was healed because I did not do wrong concerning this woman. I gave her the information she needed to solve all of her previous problems. Plus, I gave the podcast listeners, the opportunity to remember to do Philippians 4, 6 when they had a problem. Good was done every direction, but this devils tried to turn it into evil through the woman. In her email she sent to me, they tried to turn the good that I had done into evil. But God had a way of restoring me. Psalm 23, he restoreth my soul. Every time we are hurt by someone, we have to go to God. He knows exactly how to work with us. He knows exactly what we need in the situation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul says, Lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Devils try to take us the exact opposite way to the way God wants us to go. And often the flesh prefers going in that way that's authorized by devils. For example, we all want to get along with everyone. We want to get along with the world. We want to get along with the church people. We want to get along with everyone. But James 4.4 tells us something totally opposite from this. 
ye adulterers and adulteresses? Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. If we're going to try to give support and aid to people of the world who are living in homosexuality or if they are adulterers or fornicators having sex outside of marriage, if we go along with them and try to assist them and comfort them in their sin, we are an enemy to God. If we try to make a church person feel good while he is going an opposite way from the doctrines of the New Testament Bible, we are an enemy to God. I had a Catholic friend who, I, I was really troubled about this. We would go to dinner every once in a while. I went down to the bridge center. I mean, I went down to the bookstore, to Barnes & Noble and looked in a Catholic Bible to see if Matthew chapter 23, I believe it's verse 9, is in the Catholic Bible, where Jesus says, Call no man father. It is in the Catholic Bible. I would not have put it in my Bible if I had been a Catholic, but they did. But Pam Paget pointed out to me that the Catholics also tell their people don't read the Bible, that you can't understand it. <laughs> so I guess that explains why they would put that verse in there. Anyway, it says, call no man your father. So I wrote to this Catholic friend, sent her an email. She was out of town at the time. And I told her, I said, this is what the Bible says, call no man father, your father. I didn't hear from her for about three or four weeks. And when I heard from her, she said, thank you for your message. What did she do? She went right on to the Catholic Church, ignoring the scripture and calling those Catholic priests father. If you're going to try to be a friend to a type of person who does these things like that, you're going to be the enemy of God. Well, I continued at, uh, presenting messages of God to her to the point that she wanted nothing more to do with me. I haven't talked to her in, I don't know, a year or two. We don't live in the same town anymore, but I haven't sent her an email or received an email from her or talked with her by phone in that length of time. And God told me the day that she comes saying to you, I did such and such because of such and such scripture. Pay attention to her. <laughs> Until then, just leave her alone. A section of scripture that God has had me looking at rather continually is in Titus chapter 3. And it says, Concerning a heretic, after the first or second warning, after the first or second admonition, reject that person, knowing that he is subverted and sinneth and convicted of himself. Just don't try to keep teaching it. 
This has been a hard lesson for me because we keep thinking we can help them and we want to help them and we jump in and give them another teaching and give them another teaching and give them another teaching and give them another teaching. It never works. I have begun doing this instruction in Titus chapter 3. I'll warn them once or maybe twice. After that, just withdraw from them because they are subverted and sinneth, being condemned of their own selves. They have rejected the truth of the Bible and have gone according to their own preferences and their own church doctrines. You can't do anything with them. Leave them alone. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in the last days perilous times would come, He said they would have a form of godliness. They say they're a Christian. They will have a form of godliness. They attend some church, but they deny the power of God. They deny the scripture by what they're doing. He said just withdraw from them. Leave them alone. We have a woman in our own church group who has a Baptist background, and she Uh, has a great desire to help her Baptist relatives. This has gone on for years and years, and she's held out these hopes for them, and she's done all these prayers for for them. About a year ago, she tried to help her aunt, and then she heard from God, just leave her alone. Well, that's exactly what these scriptures say to do. In order to get to the point we can actually do this, We have to keep these scriptures before us day and night on the subject of leaving them alone. Keep that scripture from Titus chapter 3 before you day and night. After the first and second admonition, reject them. Just don't try to talk to them. Don't call them on the phone and say, how are you? You know how they are because they are not responding to the messages you're giving them. There's dead silence from them. You already know the answer of how they're doing. Leave them alone. It takes a lot of power to leave them alone. And the only way I have power to do it is by keeping the scripture telling me to do that before me day and night. So I made a page print of Titus chapter 3 and put it on my photo album of my Kindle tablet. And every night I look at that scripture and every morning I look at that scripture and every night I say, did I actually leave them alone? Did I do this scripture? I check myself by that scripture and other scriptures too that I have on my Kindle tablet in the photo album section. So whosoever will be a friend of these people is the enemy of God. You can't approve them in the way they're going. If you do that, you become partaker of their sins. I believe that's in 2 John. That's just one chapter in 2 John. But if you're going to receive a full reward, it says you can't invite these people into your house when their doctrine is different from the doctrine of the Bible. And if you try to approve them, then you become partaker of their sins, and you will lose reward. 
in heaven. Or perhaps even reward on this earth with God. So our flesh often wants to encourage other people. But we might end up encouraging others in something that is not the will of God or the right way for that person. Years ago, a young man came to visit me. He was a church person and lived in another city, but he came to visit me. He came to Lubbock, Texas because he was wanting to get a job at Texas Tech. So that night, Clay said, Will you pray for me to get that job? And I said, no, I will not. And he looked startled. I said, Clay, I don't know if it's the will of God for you to get that job. That might not be the will of God. I don't have the information that I need to pray for you to get that job. He did not get the job. I'm going to assume It was not the will of God for Clay to get that job. But before I would pray something like that, I would have to know that I was praying according to the will of God for Clay. And I had no basis for that type of knowledge. In Isaiah 5, verse 20, it says, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil. This happens in our church group all the time. Someone will speak something, and somebody in our church group will immediately jump in there and say, Oh, that was wonderful. When it wasn't wonderful. When it wasn't even right. Well, I go in immediately, and I correct the situation. But the people want so badly to encourage each other in the flesh. And often... These people in our church group will jump in and try to encourage that other person when the other person is going the wrong way. It's your own flesh wanting to do those fleshly encouragements which only lead to disaster for both of you. Well, I just don't permit it, not for a second. But I know that's what the flesh is like. It wants to pat the other person on the back and say, Good job! Good job! That was wonderful! One time a guy from our church group long ago, he's no longer with us, but long ago, he came. He went to some kind of religious meeting and he came back saying, Oh, that was so wonderful! That meeting I went to was so wonderful! About the third time he said that to me, I woke up. And I said to him, what was so wonderful about that meeting? And he said, oh, they had three large crosses at the end of the table covered with flowers. Well, of course, I rebuked him sharply. That's just flesh. That's not wonderful. That's not anything of God. That's just fleshly emotions. In a religious setting, it's even worse. Once again, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good. They look at the thing and they say, oh, that's wonderful, when it's really evil. 
and they call good evil because they look at someone bringing correction and say, that's horrible, when it's really good because God loves judgment. They put darkness for light and light for darkness and they put sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet, says Isaiah. God loves judgment, but the flesh hates judgment. Another way devils attack us, it is often at the point of our greatest desire. For example, if you desire grandchildren, everywhere you go, you're likely to see grandchildren. And you're going to think, I have no grandchildren. Poor me. And so you are going to be faced with a temptation to sin against God. If you desire to be married and you are not married, you will notice couples everywhere, usually holding hands. Why am I not married? I'm not as fat as she was, or she is, and look, she has a husband. I know I look better than her. Why am I not married? You see what it does? It simply puts you into a form of strife. These thoughts are flesh as well as devil's. If you desire more money at your job, but someone else gets the promotion, how do you handle that? Each of these things place you in danger areas and should cause us to recognize a need for prayer. We turn to God in those situations and say, Oh God, please help me. I recognize I'm being tempted here. Please help me. Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, after they asked him to teach them to pray, said, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. So often we're wanting our own will done. And then Jesus teaches them, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I've just spoken to you about three very big temptations. Three very big desires. That if you don't have these things, Very often, there's a temptation there for you to fall into some form of depression. The devil will help you along with this, no doubt about it, and your own flesh and devil will join together to poor me. Instead of turning to God in prayer, recognizing the temptation, saying to God, Please don't let me do this. Please don't let me say this. Just cry out for help. God, please help me. And really mean it. And he will. Now sometimes the Holy Spirit will intercede for us in the danger even before the devil can attack us. A woman sent me a birthday card one time and in that card she put a note and she told me all the things she and her husband were doing together, and she and her grandson were doing, and she and her daughter were doing, and all of the holidays and the plans they had 
for the holidays, and I was totally alone and had no one in my life. Don't you think that's a temptation? Before I could even see it as a temptation, I heard, You are dead, and your life is hid in Christ. And I screamed out, That's right! I heard Colossians 3 from the Holy Spirit while I was reading that birthday card, even before the devil could attack me. The Holy Spirit helped me, and I agreed with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I had no depression whatsoever. There was no envy, no covetousness, nothing. I was totally happy because my life is hid. If you look at me, you'll say, I have no life because it's not visible. I don't do anything. I don't look like anything. I don't do anything. I don't go anywhere. But I have a life, a strong one, and it is in Christ. Colossians chapter 3. Sometimes the thought is so clearly from God that it cannot be denied. Here are some examples of that. There was a man in our church group who went out in his, into his backyard one time and looked at his storage building where he stores his stuff. And he thought, maybe I should build another storage building for my stuff. Because his stuff, he just had too much stuff to put into that storage building. And he clearly heard, why don't you just get rid of the stuff? When we heard that story, I'm sure each of us laughed. He was 74 years old, or approximately 74 at the time this happened. He had heart trouble. I assume he got rid of the stuff, as the Holy Spirit said to do. It wasn't too long after that that he had serious heart problems and within about three years died. It was wisdom from God to him. It was so clear that that was from the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just get rid of the stuff? When my mother was living and I had her living in home with in home my home, I would go down to Golden Corral every day and get us food, get us one serving of food, and that was plenty for both of us. One day, I always put the money for the food in cash. I had it there in cash, and I would just leave my mother in the car with my purse, and I would go in the Golden Corral and get the food and pay cash for it. And the food at that time cost $5.30. So I would always take out a $5 bill, a quarter, and a nickel. One day, I didn't have a quarter and a nickel. And I sat there pondering, well, what will I do? I had the $5 easily, but I didn't have the right change. And I clearly heard three dimes will work. Well, sure enough, I had plenty of dimes. And I just laughed because it was the Holy Spirit helping me. Three dimes will work. There was another time when I was riding down the highway and a pickup truck pulled up beside me. It had a flatbed trailer on the back of it and had loaded with firewood. And I thought, oh, I wish I had a wood-burning fireplace. I sure would enjoy that. I had gas logs. And I heard, you can have that. 
that was the Holy Spirit. Now, how do I know? Well, I could easily afford to do it and have plenty of money left over. All I had to do was call the fireplace shop and have them come out, remove the gas logs, put in a, a gas line starter, get fire irons and a bucket for the ashes, and buy firewood. And I could afford, easily afford to pay cash for all of that and have it done. So of course it was the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you know it's the Holy Spirit. There was another time that I made a mistake in a TV I bought, and it was an expensive TV. The dealer said he would come and fix it because it had streaks running vertically up and down on one side of the picture. I tried everything I could do in tuning it, but I could not get the streaks to go away. It would require calibration done by the dealer, but he wouldn't come and do it. And I tried to get him to do it, and I wrote to the company, and I did everything I could think of. One day, I was trying to tune that TV, and I clearly heard, you don't have to put up with that. I was just, it was like a thunderbolt hit me. I thought, well, that's right. I have plenty of money to go buy another TV. It's not the wisdom of the world to replace a brand new TV and throw the other TV, throw, throw that brand new defective TV away. But it's the wisdom of God. It was the wisdom of God sent to me by God because I had the money to do it. It was easy to be entreated. There was no problem in doing it. Carry the defective TV out of my house and live in peace. In 2020, I was considering some something about our cars. Pam had a 17-year-old car. I had a 25-year-old car. And I've had so many physical injuries and bones broken from various falls that I just have pain constantly. So riding in the cars, both of them, it was uncomfortable. And I was thinking about maybe I should just have the seats recovered in the cars. Both cars were old. And I was thinking maybe I should just have the seats recovered. And I clearly heard, or you could just buy a new car. And I thought, well, that's right. I could. The house that I had owned in Texas sold, so I had plenty of cash. I didn't have to finance anything. Well, I wouldn't have done it if I'd had to finance it. Was that idea from God? Of course it was. And then there was a house in Texas. When I was injured and moved to Colorado Springs to live with the member of the Body of Christ, Pam Padgett, who took me into her home, when I moved to Colorado Springs, I put the house in Texas up for sale. It did not sell. A year and a half passed, and the house did not sell. I had prayed many times for that house to sell. I knew it was the will of God for the house to sell. How did I know it was the will of God? Because when they rolled me out of the house to take me to the hospital, December 6th, the year was 2018, and they rolled me past the front door of that house, I heard, 
You'll never see this house again. So I knew it was the will of God for the house to sell. In the middle of that pandemic coronavirus, March 2020, that house had been on the market for a year and a half. I said to God, is there anything I need to do about that house in Texas? I clearly had the concept. Put it on a special sale for one week only and lower the price. I called my realtor immediately and told her to do this. The house sold in two days. I knew that concept was from God. I had no doubt about it. Sometimes you will have a thought that you just know is of God. And here's one more example. And in this case, it was a destructive idea which brought the downfall of one of the church members. This happened a few years ago. Well, first I'm going to tell you the story of a dream I had. There was a necklace that had three magnificent stones in it. And one of those stones just all of a sudden turned completely black. This church member's son was getting remarried. She wanted very much to go to the wedding. Her son was divorced, and he wanted to remarry, and he had met this woman, and I don't think she was fond of this woman at all, and I had a terrible feeling about this relationship with this woman. But she prayed about it and decided that she could go to the wedding. She went to the wedding, and she couldn't stand being there. It was in her daughter's home, and she kept having to leave the place where the people were and go upstairs and hang out by herself in one of the bedrooms. From that moment of her going to that wedding, she made a downturn for the worst. She had been following God, I believe. But after that, I would say something to her and she'd say, well, I thought of that, but she didn't do it. She followed another thought, taking her another direction. Eventually, she followed thoughts, which I believe were from devils, and her own fleshly desires. She followed those thoughts to the point that she completely removed herself from the body of Christ. I think it was all by following thoughts from the devil. Then there was an example recently of one of our church group who had been praying about getting a kitten. Her husband died about three years ago. She was praying about getting this kitten. And she just finally said, I've just got to know. I've got to know about this. Well, if you feel a pressure to know and you have not been shown by God to do something, The devil might move in quickly and help you with the decision. In that case, she heard, just take care of yourself. When she told me that story, I was concerned because in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, Apostle Paul says, 
in the last day perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of their own selves. And here she's hearing, just take care of yourself. It seemed to me like she was hearing a way that was destructive. And I finally communicated it to her about the second or third day after she told us the story. And then she said, well, I should have seen it because it is God who takes care of me. I don't take care of myself. It is God. See, in that case, I believe a wrong spirit moved in to lead her the way that's exactly opposite from the way that would have been best for her to go. So she completely changed the direction. There are times the devil will just move in, and it sounds even religious sometimes. It sounds like a good work sometimes. And you may jump on it thinking it's really a good idea to go visit that person in who's a Church of Christ member, your aunt, and tell her some doctrine opposite to their doctrine. <laughs> well, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is uh, not a good idea, usually. Uh, I've actually never found it to be to work in 40-some-odd years. There's another way to try spirits. We're told in 1 John chapter 4, try the spirits. Think about a spirit. A spirit brings thoughts to your mind. It can be the Holy Spirit. It can be a devil. It can be the spirit from your own flesh. So if you're in doubt about which spirit it is, you can try the spirits this way. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. I have done this many times. I prefer trying the spirits by turning to God and just ask him to show me if that's of him. I prefer doing that, but there have been times in spiritual warfare I have had to try the spirits the way it says right here in 1 John 4. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. It, this is a spirit of Antichrist. Many times I have just addressed that spirit and just said, Do you confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh? A few days ago that happened to me. I was... Um, under some type of spiritual warfare attack, I kept having thoughts that I wasn't doing as well as I should be doing. And I had thoughts that I was even going to be cut away from the body of Christ. And there wasn't really a major cause for this that I could see. 
So I called on God for help. And several times I asked God to help me when I was feeling this way. And after about the third or fourth time of asking God to help me, the Holy Spirit brought me a thought. And it was the thought, 1 John chapter 4. And when I had that thought, I knew to try that spirit. So I just said, do you confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? I heard nothing. I said once again, do you confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh? I heard a very gentle, no. I knew it was an attack of the devil that had been telling me I wasn't doing well enough. There are times that you might have to use this. So you have to be careful with these spirits. But sometimes it's so clearly the Spirit of God. There are times I'm absolutely certain the Spirit that spoke is from God. There was a man in our church group who went into his backyard one day and looked at his storage building, and it was just spilling over with stuff. And he was considering getting another storage building to store his stuff, a second storage building. And he heard, why don't you just get rid of the stuff? When I read it, I laughed, because it's so obviously the Holy Spirit showing him what to do. Now, I wouldn't have to try that spirit. I have an example in my own life that I would not have to try a spirit. I was uh, considering getting the passenger seat on my old car reupholstered. My car is 24 years old. And I was considering getting it reupholstered and a new cushion put in it because I've broken a left hip twice in falls. And it's kind of painful when you sit on certain surfaces. And as I thought about getting the passenger seat reupholstered, the thought came to me, or you could just buy a new car. And I stopped just dead in my tracks. And I said, that's right, I could. I'd sold a house in Texas. The money was just sitting in the bank from the sale of the house. There was plenty of money to buy a new car and have money left over. I didn't have to try that spirit. I knew it was the Spirit of God. There's sometimes you just don't have to try a spirit. You're absolutely certain it's God. I was certain it was God when I had an accident and had to be taken to the hospital. And the ambulance men were rolling me past the front door of my house. The thought came to me, you'll never see this house again. I knew that was the Spirit of God. Another time I knew it was the Spirit of God is at that same time in December of 2018 when I fell at my house. I was about six feet away from the telephone and I was in the hallway on a tile surface when I fell. It was terribly painful. I didn't, and I didn't have any help and I didn't have a medical assistance uh, button 
to call for help. And the phone, the nearest phone, was about six feet away. I started to try to crawl, but it was so terribly painful. I had broken a hip and a broken, I had a broken left wrist, badly dislocated left wrist. And it was just so terribly painful to try to move. And I was just lying there in the hallway. And no one was scheduled to come into my house until Monday. And that was, I think, a Wednesday. I would have died on the floor if I didn't get to that phone. I clearly heard something that I knew was the Spirit of God. It was a thought, you can do this. And I felt because of that, I was able to crawl to that telephone. It took four and a half hours to get there. But I was able to remain conscious and do it. There are times you know it's the Spirit of God. There are times you don't know what's happening. And especially if it's something condemning you. If it is a thought that keeps coming to you condemning you, that is probably a devil. If you just say, do you confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? And just get real silent. You'll either hear a yes or no in the form of a thought, usually. Again, that is something that I would be rather cautious about doing. I don't like to do that. I don't like to speak directly to spirits. But I will do it if I have to. And I have this scripture which says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. And that is a way of trying the spirits. Here is another situation where you address the spirit and try the spirit to see if it is of God. We'll just be minding our own business, tending to things, and all of a sudden into our mind will flash the word of the name of our cousin or a sister or a mother or father, someone who is in our past who has rejected scripture. And we will just stop and freeze and think of that person and think, well, should I contact them again? What should I do? Should I write them again? Maybe I can help them. What you need to do is stop and address the spirit to see who brought that thought to your mind. You say to the spirit, do you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Sometimes you'll hear, no. Well, then you know that thought about your friend or relative came from an evil spirit. So you do nothing. And usually, after you address the spirit that way, you won't be reminded of them. It'll just vanish from you. They are trying to get you to contact some disobedient person who has rejected Scripture so they can entangle you again in the life of that person and eat up your soul. 
You also might find this happening. If you address that spirit, and that spirit does not say no, I think you'd have to assume that spirit was not from God. If there's just silence, if no thought comes to your mind from that spirit, after you say, do you confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, then I would consider that spirit did not confess Jesus Christ had come in the flesh and thereby was an evil spirit trying to trouble me and pull me off the assignment that I have been given by God. So it's, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. We have to try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. It will entangle you, if at all possible. If you let it, it will entangle you with that person and pull you down. That's the whole purpose of that spirit reminding you of your friend or relative who did not do scripture. is to get you to contact that person again and to become entangled with that person. It will bear no good fruit when it is from an evil spirit. We must learn to resist evil spirits. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and they know me. And we do. We know the Spirit of God. For example, this person who was in our church years ago went into his backyard, and he was considering building a second storage building to hold his stuff. And the thought came to him, or you could just get rid of the stuff. Now, don't we all know that's the Spirit of God? Of course it is. The man was in his 70s at the time this happened. He was in poor health to entangle himself with building another storage building and supervising stuff being put in it would have been an enormous strain on his life. He ended up dying not very many years after this happened. It would have been terrible if he had gone into a building project. We know immediately upon hearing that, that's wisdom from God. Or you could just get rid of some of the stuff. I had the same thing happen to me concerning my car. My car is 24 years old and I no longer drive. Pam Paget, uh, a member of the Body of Christ, always takes me where I need to go. And I just ride in the passenger seat. I was considering having the passenger seat rebuilt because my left hip has been broken twice. And I have pain usually when I sit in certain worn seats. So as I was thinking about this, I heard, 
or you could just get a new car. And I said, that's right. I could just get a new car. I had sold a house in Texas. The money from the sale of the house was sitting in the bank. I had plenty of money to buy a new car and still have money left over. See, that's so obviously the Spirit of God. There are times the Spirit of God speaks to us, and we know it's the Spirit of God. There are other times we have these thoughts come that trouble us. Who brought that thought to our mind? Was it God trying to get us to do something? Or was it a devil hoping to entangle us again with that person? Most likely it was the devil, but you can be sure by just saying, when, when the thought comes about the person, just say, do you confess Jesus Christ is come in the flesh? And see what happens. That is going to be very, very helpful to you to be able to sort through these problems of today. I know we should not get entangled again with people where we have shared scripture and they have ignored us. You cannot help them. Look again at Titus chapter 3, the instruction in verse 10. A man who is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject him. A heretic, that is one who refuses to submit to the power of truth, who will not heed the Bible, who doesn't rejoice in the admonition that you give him from the scriptures. If you've given him one or two examples of scripture, to help him, and he ignores it. It says reject him, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. You can't help him. Do not get yourself entangled again with this person, for it does no good at all. For 39 years, I tried to help a woman in our church group. Basically, her faith was in me, not in God. In 1980 or so, she called me and told me she was afraid her elderly father, who was in a, an assisted living home, that her elderly father was going to be a problem to her, and she asked me if I would pray about it. I did pray about it. Just I just prayed that he not be a problem to her. He died two days later. Why didn't she pray? She didn't believe in her prayer. She did believe in my prayer. She didn't believe God heard her but she believed he heard me. That won't work. 
that will not work. You might be flattered because they ask you to pray. That's very flattering. But it is wrong to go that way. If we pray according to the will of God, we know he hears us. If she prayed by faith according to the will of God, she would know he would hear her. But she didn't trust that she could pray. She didn't trust that God would hear her. I have a second experience with this same woman. She moved to the same city where I was living, Lubbock, Texas. She moved from Houston to Lubbock. She asked me if I would go with her and help her hunt a light fixture for her house. And I said I would, so I told her I'd meet her at the lighting store. En route to the lighting store, I prayed that we would quickly find the light fixture so we wouldn't have to go all over town. We went in the store, and as I entered the door, I saw a fixture immediately that I thought would work at her house. But I wanted her to be able to pick out her own fixture. So I just waited for her there at the desk as she looked around the store. She came back in maybe 20 minutes or so, and I said, well, did you find anything you liked? And she said, no, no, I didn't. And I said to her, well, that one would work. And I pointed to this lighting fixture. And she saw it and she said, that would work. And she bought it. When we got outside the store, I said to her, did you pray before we came to look at this lighting fixture? And she said, no, because I knew you would. Well, she's no longer with us today. God worked out a set of circumstances to remove her from us. Often I'm reminded of her. I have learned as of now to just say to that when I'm reminded of her, do you confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? And I think that she'll stop being brought to my attention. I'm just sure that is an evil spirit trying to get me to initiate conversation with this woman again to entangle me in her life and put me back into a trap that God has freed me from. You mustn't go back into those traps when God has freed you. Here's the scripture let us look at. Isaiah 65:17 The prophet Isaiah brings us information that in heaven we won't even remember this present earth. That's very important. Cuz see in heaven there'll be no devils to remind us. Isaiah 65:17 For behold I create new heavens and a new earth, says God. And the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Because it would trouble us, make us sad. And there will be no tears in heaven. There will be no sorrow. There will be no pain. There will be no death. 
we will be totally spiritual bodies. Now we are spirit and flesh, and the flesh is the one that the devil is really attacking. So he reminds us of people to trouble us, to get us re-entangled with those people. The key word is to entangle us again with them. And the way he gets us is he causes us to think we might be able to help them. Well, we couldn't help them before. But he's wanting us to think we can help them. So he can entangle us and we'll always be troubled around them. They will be thorns in our sides and pricks in our eyes. There is a scripture where it says if you don't drive them out, this is what will happen. I'll find that scripture for us. This is a scripture given to the children of Israel as God was leading them into the promised land. Numbers thirty-three fifty-one. God instructs them. He says, When you are passed over Jordan unto the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down all their high places. We do that today as we go among the people. Say you move into a neighborhood and you meet someone and they start talking about some idol that they have. Christmas, it could be start talking about decorating graves at Memorial Day. You find out that they're a church member and they're out decorating graves at Memorial Day. And you know that we should not be doing such a thing as a Christian. So you speak up. That separates you from them. They won't want to be around you again. You drive them out because they are worshiping something not God. They could be a Catholic going down to that Catholic church and calling that priest father, which the Bible says, call no man father. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23, call no man father. And they're calling this priest father. Not only that, in the New Testament Bible, there are no priests as such as ministers. The ministers of God are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, which Jesus gave to the church after he was resurrected. Ephesians chapter 4. There are a lot of idols in churches. If they are going to worship an idol, if they're going to bow down to a molten image at church and recite a bunch of words before that molten image, as I understand the Catholics do, if they're going to light candles to try to get their prayers answered, that, see, all these are idols. You're going to have to yield to the Holy Spirit and allow yourself to be separated from Him because when you speak by the Spirit of God, they will not want anything to do with you again. That's one reason you don't share with them. But when you do share with them once or twice, then you need to just leave them alone. If they are going to be born again, they'll be born again. If they aren't, just let them go their own way. You won't remember them when you're in heaven. But devils will remind you of them while you're on this earth 
to try to get you bound up again with those people who are not following God, though they go to church. In this passage of scriptures in Numbers, he says, Numbers thirty-three fifty-five. But if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain with you shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land where you dwell. Is there anyone who vexes you every time you're around them? I've certainly had that. And we just keep trying to hold our tongue and not tell them the truth. Well, it may be the Holy Spirit wanting you to tell that person the truth and then leave. Because you can't live in peace with that person. That church member that I was around for 39 years, she was in our group. It got to the point I had to bring correction to her every time I was around her. Every time. That ought not to be. That's vexing me. And it's not helping her. It's only pulling me down. God gave me a vision of her she was standing at the foot of my bed, hospital bed, and this was when I'd had an accident and had surgery, a broken hip, as a result of the accident. And I saw this woman standing at the foot of my bed, and she didn't say anything. She just looked at me, and then all of a sudden she turned and walked through the wall, disappearing. I thought I was having a drug hallucination, because I just had surgery, and they were giving me a bunch of medicines. Two weeks later, I was in a rehabilitation hospital. This same woman came to the hospital and sat down in the visitor's chair there beside my bed. And she said to me, I do not care about anyone or anything anymore. I do not read the Bible. I do not read the blog. I don't care about anyone anymore. At that moment, a nurse's aide came in to do something with me, and I called to this church woman. She went into my bathroom in my room, and I called to her, and I said, wait until the nurse leaves. Don't leave. Wait until the nurse leaves. Well, she didn't wait. She took this as an opportunity to sneak out of the room. See, she disappeared, just like the vision. That was a vision from God. It wasn't a drug hallucination. It was a vision from God showing me what this woman was going to do. God eliminated her, drove her out, so she would not vex me. Don't try to get them back. I foolishly uh, contacted her after that, and she apologized and said she had no charity whatsoever toward me in that condition, and she was sorry. Well, I'm glad for that. But I did not reassociate with her because I knew it would be the same thing that I'd seen for the last 39 years.
I once told my mother, you can go down, but I won't go with you. That sobered my mother up. She said, I don't want you to go down. She was mourning over the death of my father. And she was pulling me down with her grief. Well, she got over her grief and stopped it. And even was born again and turned to God. After we separate from someone, often the devil will remind us of that person to try to torment us. If you'll try that spirit, I think you'll find that spirit is not of God, the one that's tormenting you over the subject. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.